This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. No Burgess. No Morsi. No Luongo. No Hurst. No problem. Three points for Ipswich from behind in spite of huge pressure. From Southampton, Ipswich stay in second, and it's January the bloody 14th. Did I mention we were in League One last season? Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Craig, I've got, uh, we're very spoiled. I've got lots of favourite victories the last um, the last sort of year or so. That was excellent last night, wasn't it? Under the circumstances and considering you pushed late in the 5.30 kickoff, all the pressure's on, everybody's watching, you go behind. What great performance. Yeah, yeah. Good evening, Ben. Good evening, everybody. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, and it's also just, uh, yet again, another type of, win that we've managed to do uh pull out the bag and um i went to see my dad earlier today and he was watching on the telly he used to go years and years ago but he watched on the telly and he said himself god your manager enjoyed that one at the end didn't he and you you saw didn't you on the tv highlights after the match they went straight to mckenna and he was screaming and you don't often see him that animated i just think as you say ben just the the circumstances as you alluded to in your intro the the team that's been foisted upon him you know through through injuries and suspensions just to get that across the line I think was probably one of the most enjoyable victories so far this season certainly from from the coaching and the management's perspective I would have thought. Big win Joe were you giving it the fist pump like McKenna was at the end? Yeah it was especially because we were like five without a win going into it in in the league so and knowing that we've got Leicester coming up next and then it, it could easily have gone to seven games without a win, couldn't it? And then the wheels have come off. Southampton are ahead of us. We're going from there. So it felt a huge win when you looked at the, the games earlier. And obviously Leeds won, Southampton won. Both won very, very comfortably. And we dropped out the top two for the first time in forever. And yeah, just to go out there and get the win with all the players missing, as you mentioned in the intro, it was just a massive win. Really, really good night in the stadium. Wasn't it? It was Port Road under lights and... Really, just really get everyone's buzzing, weren't they? Tremendous stuff. Buzzing we are. And buzzing to have you lot live here in the chat if you're watching on YouTube. Do make yourself known, get involved. We'll go full Q&A after we've done this segment and the championship review as well. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button as well. Help us out. If you're watching after the fact, we do appreciate you guys too. Equally, uh, make sure you get involved over on our Twitter and by leaving a five-star review. Um, Gotta say, Craig, when the teams came in, I mean, we knew it was going to be a kind of 1B team, just given um, what we had on offer. We know Kieran McKenna is so, so high on continuity. And if you can leave players in that um, he's had in the team for long periods of time, he will. But particularly um, when it became known that Massimo Luongo wasn't going to be playing... Um, it did smell a bit troublesome. Um, let me read through the team, Craig, and you can tell me your um, sort of response to this. Uh, Hladke in goal. Clark, Wolfenden, 
Edmondson and uh, Leif Davis. And it is an uh, interesting midfield of Lewis Travis and Jack Taylor. So um, really the reserve midfield, essentially, use whatever word you're comfortable with. Um, not the reserve three off the front, um, Craig Burns, Chaplin, who was the captain and Broadhead. But we thought it would be Caden Jackson up top. Your thoughts on the 11, Craig? Um, well, as you say, you know, we, we're probably not blessed with a, a massive squad and therefore a huge, a huge selection. But it's just nice to see Davis back, wasn't it? Um, have not been around for a, for a few weeks and for him to to get through the game as well. Um, I did think towards the second half when when Cameron Humphreys was warming up, whether he may um, he may have come on towards the end. Um, Edmondson has been playing fantastically since he's come in for Burgess. Uh, no issues with that. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's it's the previously unknown absence of Luongo. Um, I think we probably thought that Travis would have played uh, alongside Luongo should Luongo have been fit. Um, but yeah, a, a double whammy um, to go without your your first choice centre midfield. Um, and then yeah, we we said about we said about Ladapo and talked talked about dear old Freddie for a few weeks now. He he now does seem to be a long long way down that uh, pecking order when it comes to first choice strikers and indeed um, first second third choice substitutes now. We'll so, get into that with the subs, Craig, won't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but you know. Jackson played well. Um, he did exactly what you what you can expect of him. Um, you know, we, we spoke about on here before that these guys have got ceilings, um, and the team may well be outperforming their relative ceilings. But you can't knock these guys for their effort, and um, you know they certainly do continue to give their all. And I say Jackson was pretty much exemplified that yesterday. Um, what's your take on that eleven, Joe? There wasn't really much else he could do, was there? No, no, it's, it's interesting with the central midfield pairing, isn't it? Because it, it does seem like Luongo and Taylor are the left-sided central midfielder and now Morsey and previously Ball and Evans and now Travis are the right-sided central midfielder as, as, and they are quite different roles, how they play. So it's interesting that he sort of stepped straight into that. Yeah, but it, the rest of it was as you expected and I think Caden Jackson justified a selection well and we there's been a lot of chat about it in the Telegram today with regards to just how much work he gets through and the pressing intensity he gives you and without that we have nothing to build from and I think when you look at the Sunderland side on the flip side of it there when you've got sort of Jude Bellingham and Alex Pritchard is almost like Joe pair of oh yes yeah, sorry Joe and Alex Pritchard as a pair wouldn't of, have been two one if it was Jude as <laughs> sort of like a pair of sort of attacking midfielders rather than strikers neither of them sort of could really occupy a centre half and it seems like Beal's trying to play this sort of vertical football but they don't have the players at the top of the pitch stretching stretching for them there was a couple of times when Bellingham did make the run in behind and had a nice ball over the top there but they they seem more desperate for a strike than we do even. Mm. Yeah, um, Footmob, presumably based on GPS data, has called that a 4-4-F in two. It absolutely wasn't, was it? Um, Patterson in goal for Sunderland, who I like and is going to have a good battle with our right back, um, strangely, mm. in this game. Uh, Hume and Alessi, the full-backs. Um, Ballard, who, um, yeah, good player. Um, and Onin, the centre-halves. Neil and Equa, who looks like he could be a really good player if he puts it all together in central midfield. And I made it um, Bellingham up top with Pritchard in the 10, Barr off the right and Clark off the left. Joe, obviously, um, as I mentioned, Patterson, Ballard through the team, Equa with the potential, Clark clearly the the um, danger man. But they've got some good players, Sunderland, finished in sixth last season. Yeah, and a lot of the players that were part of that team that finished in sixth are still the spine of the team now, aren't they? When you, you sort of look for that centre-back pairing and the centre, central midfield pair, and they've got some really good players and some players that are probably worth quite a lot of money. I think if you took out Jack Clark, Dan Neal and Equa in the middle, you could probably be looking for about 15 million quid's worth of transfer fees just across those three players there, wouldn't you? So there's some, there's some serious talent there, but they just, I don't know, they just don't seem to quite, quite get going do they with they sort of win a couple of games lose a couple here there and I think just the lack of a strike and something that Tony Mowbray spoke a lot about earlier in the season about not having strikers ready is is just hurting them all season um do you want to take us up to the first goal Craig there was a reasonably even wasn't there? it was a mistake from Harry Clark in our corner that um Bellingham couldn't finish the shot off Jackson 
I don't know. I, I never, you never really can tell. Was he on his heels for the for the chance that Burns put across the box? Um, we get famously caught up the pitch again with Leif Davis playing on the left wing, and uh, poor old Harry Clark gets a bit exposed by Jack Clark, and there's that chance there. And then, um, then we're up to the goal, Craig. Yeah, well, as you say, <clears throat> um, Burns had had a couple of opportunities to get crossing, which he did. Uh, he'd picked out he played well, almost. Craig. Yeah, he did. First half especially, he he had Elise on, on toast down right in front of where we are on top of the uh, tunnel there. Um, we look right along that goal line uh, at the Churchman's end. And you say about the cross that he put in for Jackson. Jackson, to be fair to him, he made he made the right run. He went he went to the front post, then checked and went to the back post. But unfortunately, the pace on the, the cross was just a bit too much for him. Um, and then he pulled another one back for Taylor and Taylor side-footed it rather than get a proper strike at it. Um, that famous pull back to the around the penalty spot to get the shot away um but yeah he he had uh, he was running Elise as well all the time every time he got the ball um and as Joe said about about Bellingham and um running from D I think we, we were just a little I suppose it's quite difficult to defend against is it when you haven't got anybody physically up against you to defend against from a central defender's perspective you're always waiting for the guy to be running towards you with the ball or off the ball um, and they were doing that a few times. Uh, Belling was breaking through from his, uh, what would you call it, a false nine or a number ten position, uh, running through on the on the goal. Um, but yeah, so their goal that it, it ended up at Bar's feet on the on the right hand side, and he <clears throat> got a bit of a dribble on, got into the box where we then couldn't really touch him because, say, he's, he's a decent decent dribbler. The ball was pretty much stuck to his feet. Chaplin was there, Clark was there, but they couldn't commit to the to the tackle. Um, so yeah, he worked his way into the box, slid it across to to Clark, who's on the on the edge of the D. He takes a touch and then thwacks it past Clacky. Basically, um, they they were they were quite um, uh, dismissive of of Clacky. Uh, I watched Sky when I got back here and about his positioning and second guessing of the shots, which he did um, for a previous Clark shot, which hit his legs and, and sort of ballooned up. He was sort of preempting where Clark was going to hit it. And he did here as well. Didn't he? he took a step to his left. He was expecting that... the one shaped into the corner, wasn't he? Yeah, killed into the corner. Yeah, that's right. But that just kills his momentum to be able to get back to the right. And it's, a, it's, be, it's past him before he can even blink, isn't it? He, he did absolutely thwack it, as I say. And it's, uh, they were arguing the toss about whether he, he may have got to it or may not have got to it. Your mate Joby um, didn't seem to think that he would have got to it, even if he had no, been ready for it now it's a fantastic a fantastic finish um and yeah he he, re, he was pretty much their only real outlet joe wasn't he clark on the left you know he was going forward certainly he was as soon as they got it out to him it, they looked different than they did all over across the other rest of the pitch i thought yeah do you want to come in on that joe yeah yeah no yeah he was he was their the main man wasn't he? he it was the whole game went through him in as in an attacking sense for them the only the only other attacks they had were sort of the lofted balls where job had made the run sort of through and picked up a couple of loads and they led to some chances but no it was very much a case of just trying to get the ball to clark and having him do something but when you look at his numbers this season what is it now 13 goals and five or six assists that is that is how they've played all season, isn't it? And he's he's stepped up with it and he's getting a lot of sounds like West Ham are very interested in him at the moment. So we'll see if they're able to get him out of there in this month or whether Sunderland can hold firm. It's just one of those goals, Joe, where because it's a recycle from a set play, you're in an abnormal position than you would be otherwise. And it is it's almost yeah. a case Well Harry like, Clark's over at left back, isn't he? And yeah, if it's almost a case the- that Clark and um, Broadhead and Chaplin all wouldn't normally be there, and the one v one defending turned into a bit of a um, bit of a cluster, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was a bit of a mess, and some you just need to get the ball away in those situations, don't you? And then give yourself a chance to reset, and we just didn't. And that sort of it, I can't remember was it Barr who ran made the run sort of across the pitch, and sort of Clark lets him go. Then Chaplin, he just sort of. Brushes Chaplin off, doesn't he? And it yeah. just—he's in the box, isn't he? Then you, you don't want to dangle Chaplin a leg. You know what's going to happen? I'm not yeah. touching him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But it's a—it's a great strike. Like I say it's—it was difficult from mine to see what happened because Ladke just didn't see him there, and he's obviously like I say he's um, unsighted. And he's trying to sort of second guess maybe what was happening there, but no, it's just a, just a great goal from a top player at this level, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so one nil behind, but um, this team <laughs> goes behind quite a lot and still gets. Um, some results, Joe. Um, 
get back into it reasonably quickly. Um, although uh, Clark got slid in and is a good save from Patterson. Um, oh, excuse me, that's my second half note. Sorry. No, um, that was happened in the first as well. Yeah, uh, Burns to Clark, exactly. Yeah, and then we get to the goal, um, Joe. Large slice of luck, but then a really good finish, yeah? Yeah, and it's, it's good from um, Lewis Travis in there, isn't it? Because I've, he's, he's come into the game and obviously it's his first time in the system. And I, and I thought he, I thought he handled himself well, did really well, covered the pitch well, more defensively. But what he wasn't giving us, which you probably wouldn't expect him to on a debut, is that out ball that... Sam Morsey gives where you could, the keeper or the centre-backs can play the ball vertically straight into him, knowing that he can take the ball under pressure, turn and get us up the pitch, where he was more sort of a case of almost getting the ball and playing it safe. He's very, very secure on the ball and and that, and he was doing well, but you just you were missing something slightly from what Morsey had, but the goal comes from him playing one of those vertical balls. He aims at Chaplin. You get a slice of luck as it sort of hits Chaplin and hits a Sunderland defender and it just drops, but Caden Jackson is really sharp and it's a and it isn't always the case for him, but he finishes it with real conviction, doesn't he? It's like a lot of times he's sort of almost is not half-hearted with his shots, but doesn't quite. You don't feel like he seems to have the confidence to finish them properly. But yeah, he got in there and it's a, just a cracking finish and fully deserved for his performance. Sort of not just last last night, but overall needed that goal before half time, didn't we, Craig? As well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because as you say, we Clark had Clark had been fed in by Burns, um, but our. Our press was very good in the first half. Even further up the pitch, it was good. We were enforcing a lot of um, errors out of Sunderland who were trying to trying to play um, the way that Mick Bill was trying to get them to play. Um, and I think it, Jackson does react fantastically. You know, he's, he's on it straight like a like a proper season strike. You know, anticipation and and then putting away with no fuss at all. I suppose he's slightly helped in that the way it falls to him. It's only that it's literally that. Finish yeah. is the finish he's got to play, isn't it? It's the obvious finish, and he's he's whipped it in, into the into the side netting as well. So yeah, it's a great finish. Yeah, great finish. And uh, given uh, if if he doesn't score in that game, I mean, it's it's a no win situation. If he doesn't score in that game, and you know maybe we don't get a, a positive result, it's all going to be oh, we're missing Hurst, we're missing we're missing Hurst. So um, it is what it is. We've got to um, we, we, we'll talk about Jackson and maybe Travis at the end, but um, we've got to try and avoid the outcome bias type analysis of a striker who's scored and a and a game that's won and try and look at the the contribution i think that's the um that's the important thing and what it does for the team um craig we'll stay with you so yeah we can talk about that clark shot he does excellently to get in unfortunately yeah he's he's a right back and um, maybe the cross would have been better um Mr. Ayuchiche, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, comes on for a horrific sub cameo. Um, <laughs> horrible mistake by, uh, well, it, uh, blame who you like here. Clankley tries to play it out, gets deflected, and um, that should have been 2 1 Sunderland, shouldn't it, Craig? Yeah, yeah, it should have, it should have been. And But then, as Joe was saying just now about the absence of Morsey, you, you don't know how much the absence of Morsey affects Clankley, affects Wolfenden with, with their hesitancy about passing out that Wolfen got caught on the ball a little bit a little bit later on Halecki dillies and dallies on this one and Don Goodman was having a go at him on the commentary saying oh he's taking too long on the ball well he obviously hasn't watched us a lot this season to make comments like that but I just think that the usual suspects weren't ahead of them to to be able to pass into um but no you're right about Ayu Chiche poor old guy got hung out to dry I think by Mick Beale in the post match uh, interview as well Not like surprised. two or three times didn't he he had to go in for two misses <laughs> and the and the free kick oh, sod. um but no he sh- he should have uh, at least hit the target if nothing else um but that, I- that was one of those where in the when Hladke had the ball it doesn't happen very often but every now and again you see it where Wolfie was telling me he didn't want it he was pointing yeah, yeah. to sort of not to me he was basically saying he, d- he didn't want the ball and put it elsewhere and he tried to fit it through to him and didn't make it but that, yeah there's not there's not many times our players tell their partner that they don't want it but that was one of them and <laughs> you can see why and it's so difficult to criticise Fladke but in that situation if the pass isn't on he tried to whether he held on to it too long, Craig and Don, Good, Don Goodman's word is, you know, is is up for debate. But it was the wrong, it was a wrong pass at that point, and they um, they got a foot on it, didn't they? And then um, Joe, it's going to get worse for Mister Ayachiche, and we have to be honest 
as football fans here, if that was the other way around, we would all be saying that's a hell of a soft free kick um, as he goes into the goes into the back of Davis. But we also always say on this podcast, when we get one against us, you've got to defend the free kick. And isn't it great, as Kieran McKenna um, said, Joe, that sometimes these fine margins games, they are decided by set plays. And isn't it great um, uh, to, to win with one, Davis to Chaplin? Yeah, and I personally didn't think it was a soft free kick. I just thought it was a silly... No, I just thought it was a really silly challenge there. Oh, two the, things can be true. It was a silly challenge yeah. and a soft free but, kick, but I the ref, the ref always gives those when you just go and... If someone stands in front of you and you just bundle into them, it's just it was totally needless, but it's an obvious free kick. And then Davis steps up and I think you can see on the sort of town in five today, Davis is sort of basically pointing to Chaplin, telling him that the one down on the ground isn't on, so they... They obviously have some communication ish working out what they're going to do there and some great blocking from George Edmondson. I think who uh, a couple of weeks back after the Leeds game, we spoke about how, um, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Stroyke had sort of basically bundled our defence, bundled Burgess away from the ball for their goal and just said it's something that we're very good at. It's not something we're complaining about, it's something we're very good at. And this was something Edmondson did where it was almost like, um, sort of like American football. He was one of your sort of offensive linemen going up there and just making a block there. And Chaplin, the smallest guy on the pitch, he doesn't even need to leave the ground either. He's got his feet planted on the ground and it's a brilliant delivery, brilliant header. Keeper, no, no chance with it. And it's one of those ones that you could see it was in from the moment it left his head. Craig, you've got the luxury when you're one of the shorter players that you can kind of stand still in those areas. And as we've heard the Linekers and Ian Wrights and Shearers say, if you've got that luxury, sometimes the best movement you can do from a set play is to stand still, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Especially when the delivery is of that quality and of that pace as well, because he didn't need to do anything with it. He just just reconnects with the ball and all the paces on the ball and then all the paces in the header, isn't it? Um, as Joe said, that Edmondson bull in a china shop just running and bundling everyone who's in his path out of the way on the edge of the six-yard box just creates that space. And he's in absolutely acres of space. And you say about the free kick being, um, if it had it been a given against us, we'd be moaning about it being a soft one. Can you imagine if we'd conceded a header <laughs> to a guy who's five foot six tall? After conceding his, that free kick? <laughs> on his own, eight yards out in the middle of the goal. Yeah, Tremendous stuff. Um how did Luke Wolfenden not score um, a couple of minutes later, uh, Craig? <laughs> yeah, poor old guy. It's, it's right in the very far opposite corner to where to where I uh, sit. But again, it's another Davis um, free kick. It's chapter I think may have got a, a chest on it to sort of deflect it towards goal. That's right. Um, and Wolfenden's charging in at the back post, and yeah, should have uh, should have put things to bed there. Unfortunately, um, he hadn't. He didn't. But. By this time, we'd had um, Hutchison and Sarmiento had come on, and they both made a, a big impact. Um, Good point. Both, both got the ball, getting the ball to feet, and just running at people, especially Hutchinson. Um, they were really getting the ball out to him. He'd come on for Burns by this point, and they were just getting the ball out to him time and time again. He was running and running and running at them. It'd be interesting to see how we um, how we play those guys in the in the forthcoming feature, uh, forthcoming fixtures coming up, whether they're due a start or whether we use them specifically for these reasons are coming on in the last half an hour when legs are tired. It's the last year you want someone uh, dancing towards you with the ball at their feet, I'd have thought. That's a great point, Joe, isn't it? Um, didn't it feel like you've got a tight game, you've got two dribbly Premier League loney wingers. Um, that did feel, um, you know, our bench would be able to make a difference now with, with two of them to bring in, right? Yeah, and it has felt over the last sort of maybe three or four games that when we've had subs coming on, they haven't really been in a position to really change the game. It's almost just been, you're just having to take off a player because they're struggling with fitness and bringing on somebody who's probably a little bit weaker than they are rather than improving you or changing options up. It was more just, it was just, I know our, our squad had been stretched over the last few weeks and it, it felt yesterday, even though that the, there was a the players missing, as we noted, it felt like all the subs were able to come on and make a bit of a difference in the game. Joe, fortunately, it didn't make a difference. And please, let's not get juvenile, tribal, outraged about refereeing. Because I quite like um, referee Allison. I've done a few of his games on a watch along. But should have had a penalty at 2-1, shouldn't we? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ludicrous it's a challenge. <laughs> but, 
I've, I have seen one angle where it looks like he gets a little bit of the ball, but I don't think no. you can tackle like that whether you get a bit of the ball or not. It's one of those, it's almost like that the sort of 90s refereeing where, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's got the ball, so he's allowed to just totally clean him out. But no, no, that was just a ludicrous challenge from, was it O'Neill, was it? Who, yeah, I think it was, yeah. That, who's a dirty player always. And it's just. Joe, sorry to interrupt. I thought, of, I thought of, I played your little sentence um, in my head of, Try and rationalise why the ref has made that decision. The only thing I could come up with is that he let it go on to, I think, Chaplin and was hoping he'd stick it in the net and then he just panicked afterwards and, and didn't pull it back. Joe, that was my only rationalisation. Yeah, it must be that. But it's happened twice against Sunderland now, hasn't it? Because in the first game, the Stadium of Light, Chaplin hits the bar and the ball comes down and George Hurst gets it and somebody totally wipes him out. It's almost like they yeah. just panic and fly into challenges. But... Got away, got away with both of them, but no, that's a that's a silly, silly challenge. And yeah, it, it didn't match in the end, but yeah, that would have been frustrating. Um, but it doesn't matter, uh, Craig, and just a really good performance. They stay out the stoppage time and um, get the win. Um, what were your sort of um, reflections on the final whistle? Well, as we said at the beginning, that's just a, a very decent, a decent result and a, and a decent performance under all the circumstances we've spoken about. Um, it was a pretty even first half, to be fair. Sunderland probably had the more clear-cut chances. Um, Hlecki was possibly the busier of the two goalkeepers, albeit we probably had more position in and around their, uh, their box. But in the second half, we just stepped it up. Um, we took control of the game and it was just a, a matter of time when, when we'd score that, uh, that winner and the potentially as he's saying about pushing on to get to get another one hitting the post after that um as joe said about Sunderland, they just look like a team without anything up front at all i've got a friend who's a, a couple of friends who are Sunderland fans and they were there yesterday and um it messaged me at half time saying that oh you're a bit fortunate to be in drawing at, at full at half time but then at full time they were full admittance that yeah you deserve to win that in the end because their uh, their manager, who they don't have an awful lot of time for already, um, was seemingly intent to to play without strikers. The actual the fans were singing from the striker, weren't they? At, at one point, Joe, just for um, just for the substitution was made, the Sunderland fans were chanting along the lines of "We want a striker" or some words to that effect. Um, so I think they've pretty much had enough of playing this way with this Joe Bellingham phantom striker formation, which doesn't <laughs> seem to be working particularly well at the moment. The Phantom Menace. Um, here are the numbers, and they they do read well for us, Joe. Look at that, two point two six on the XG uh, possession. Uh, Sunderland just edging that 51, 49, 17 shots, three big chances to one. Um, let's talk about um, individual players, Joe. Um, Got to say, I think it's been a little bit over the top about Travis. I think there's a little bit of um, oh, he came in and he did a good job. Therefore, he is the um, second coming of um, Busquets or something. I thought he was perfectly fine and just kind of um, slotted in. And that's what we needed, isn't it? And that's what you get from a um, kind of season 200 games. Talk to me about Travis and talk to me about Jackson. Yeah, I thought Travis. Yeah, I thought I thought we did did really well. Like I say, secure on the ball. But you, but you knew I mentioned it earlier in the pod. You knew you weren't going to be getting what. Stan Morsey gives you because no, he's no. not he's not going to know all the patterns he's not going to know this and basically he just needed to concentrate on being the shield effectively and he was he was a, he was a very good defensive shield for us very secure on the ball and helped keep it moving but he's just he's just one of those players and I think I think it raises the level of the Sam Morsey replacement from Don Ball and previously Lee Evans I think it's just a just a just a well a player with two hundred. Championship appearances and sort of come in, and you it's can not join just the that. Dots, fill in the blanks, Joe. Can't you? Yeah, and I, I noticed sort of um, at the very start of the game, he goes over and shakes a ref's hand and has a chat with him. And within I, honestly, there'd been eighty seconds in the game, so one minute twenty in the game, he'd been in chat to the ref three times about things there. So I think he's one of those sort of natural leaders that likes to get in there and gets in the refs here and does that side of the game as well. Which is when you, even if you're not contributing as well. On the pitch, if you're doing that, that's all helping as well. But I thought he was contributing as well. But yeah, no, he looks a he looks a step up in the sort of squad quality. Um, do you want to talk about Caden Jackson, um, Craig? Yeah, so just just a quick one on um, Travis as well. Is that well, he Please. he? You sorry, you could see that he had um, 
those experience that experience because he just landed on the ball. He was where the ball ended up being. He was getting his foot in here and there. He was just breaking up their play. He was nudging their players when they weren't on the ball as well, just to you know knock them off their stride and things like that. Just little things that you get from having a two hundred championship game experience centre midfielder in your in your team. Um, but yeah, moving on to Jackson, as I said at the beginning, he did absolutely everything that was ex- that was expected of him and more with the goal, I would have thought. Um, there's been chat today in the Telegram group about you know the work that Hurst does sprinting across the pitch 30 yards to close down one centre defender to get sprint across the other side of the pitch to close the other one down. And that's what you'll get from Jackson as well. You know, you may not get the, the physicality, physicality and the um, relative duffing up of the centre-backs that um, Hurst will do, but you will get the effort and the, and the closing down. Um, and if they can start just polishing, which they've done with a lot of the players that, you know, he's Jackson himself has improved under McKenna. And if they can keep working on and keep um, improving him, then there's no reason why we can, can't, can't get a, a roll out of him as well. Nathan Jones was talking about him actually in, um, about how he'd come across him when he played for Accrington, when Jones was in charge of Luton saying that back then in league two, he looked a player and, there were potentially people sniffing around him because he's got the physical attributes, that raw pace and the his good size as well, etc. I say this, he did well yesterday. He ran the channels. He did his job. He scored his goal. Um, and you'd imagine he's cemented his place for the foreseeable future. I agree, um, Joe, with Craig's assessment on Jackson. And um, what did you say earlier, Craig, talking about ceilings? That's a good point. With Jackson, um, we know he's not Hurst, and I'm really pleased for him that he scored yesterday. If they can put him in this advantageous position, Joe, where he doesn't have to go over his ceiling and he can do his pressing, and if he gets a chance and he takes it all all the more, um, I think in the short term it's, it's going to be okay, isn't it? Well, we've really only got one more game to get through, haven't we? And that's Leicester away, which is probably a game where nobody's expecting us to get anything from, isn't it? And whilst... Maybe Jackson's ceiling isn't as high as the Hurst in the squad. I actually think his floor is quite high, though. That's a good point. You know what you're going to get from him, and it might be that it's a 6 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10 every week, but a manager can work with that. The problem is, if you play Freddie Ladapo, you might get an 8 out of 10 one week, but you could get a 2 out of 10 the following week, (laughs) and a 3 out of 10, and the 8 out of 10 becomes the outlier in that thing. And if like I say, in any management, if you know what you're going to get from somebody, it's it's so much easier. And like I say, we, we know what, and I think Jackson spoke about this in the past with McKenna saying, I've finally got a manager in who tells me what I can do and focuses on what I can do rather than what I can't do. And this is all part of sort of McKenna's genius, effectively, that he works at how to use players and uses them correctly to their within their limitations but and showcases their strength rather than exposes their weaknesses. 100%. Uh, tremendous win, tremendous performance, tremendous character, so many tremendouses. Here's a word from our tremendous sponsors, Innovation Labs. Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth and the development of an AI centre of excellence in Suffolk. Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge with more support. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. 
Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, ITFC women, Joe, you were you were there today, went under 4-1 against Charlton in a game we were sponsoring. Yes, it was an FA Cup fourth-round tie, so it's... Big prize money in the women's FA Cup this year. I think they've doubled from last year. But um, we're, I think we're currently third in the effectively a regionalised version of the third tier, while Charlton are second in the championship. So sort of on the brink of pushing for the Super League. And we started well. Sophie Peskett um, sort of intercepted one from the, or the keeper, gave the ball to her, and she went back and put it past her. But from that point on, Charlton were pretty dominant and sort of managed to get a couple of goals just before half time. And then right on the stroke of half time, sort of a clumsy challenge gave them a penalty and it basically killed the game off at 3-1 and then in the second half they were able to just effectively keep us at arm's length and beat us I thought the girls gave it a good go but it was a it was a real gap in quality and I think that just the the extra division above really showed I think just in the athleticism and the physicality of some of the Charlton girls but that was a good good attendance down there 770 people down there we um myself Rich and Dave went on to present Sophie Peskett with a bottle of champagne for man of the or player of the match i should say there and yeah i think she she deserved that for liam mitchell at the back did well as well but it was a it was a shame that the game sort of just petered out a bit in the second half but no great great atmosphere down there and the girls did well nice job um just a bit of housekeeping as well we're likely going to switch the shows around next weekend because obviously we've got to wait till Monday night for our trip to Leicester that we'll um, get Craig and Joe's opinions on at the end of this show. So it will likely be the preview show on Sunday night and we'll get, um, if uh, Rich and Seb do that, we'll get them to talk about what's going on in the Championship on Saturday and then we'll do some kind of reaction. I might watch along or I might go. So someone might watch along and I might go. We'll be we'll, we'll be across it in um, many, many different ways. Uh, let's have a look through what went down um, in the championship and we'll have a look at the latest tables. Um, get primed with your questions for the end of this segment and we can put them to Craig and Joe. On Friday, that bloody Jonathan Rowe again. <laughs> very good at football. Um, Hull 1, Norwich 2. Uh, Coventry 3, Leicester 1. Leicester actually the big losers at the top of the table. They're still miles clear. Uh, Birmingham 2, Swans 2 on Tony Mowbray's debut. Leeds cruised in. They're just integrating their England striker into their seven 15 to £30 million frontline players they've already got. 3-0 they won at Cardiff. Huddersfield 1, uh, Plymouth 1. Millwall 1, Middlesbrough 3. They've had a lovely old week after beating Chelsea. Preston 2, Bristol City 0. Rotherham 0, Stoke 1. This is the one we're all looking at, though. Southampton 4. Sheffield Wednesday nil. Thanks, Wednesday. Our League One brethren um, from last year doing us no favours in Southampton, as expected, did perform the overtake, but we did have the response. Uh, West Brom four, Blackburn one. All not all not well at Blackburn. If you saw um, our excellent show with Rich and Dave and Dan from Rovers Chat, you'll have uh, got some good detail on that. But West Brom winning means that everybody in the top six, other than Leicester, all won this weekend. Uh, you can see our result there. And today, the goal machine that is Jake Livermore scored twice for um, Watford at QPR. Craig, who you want to talk about? Um, well, I can talk about Lee's coming, as you say, about Bamford scoring. Jane scored and Rutter scored. I think Somerville set two of them up, didn't he? So, yeah, they're, they're just carrying on nicely, aren't they? Um Southampton just the four goals set. Mind you, I don't think Sheffield Wednesday's defending helped us much from the from the highlights I saw. There was about four or five Southampton attackers in the box and only a couple of um, Sheffield Wednesday defenders. One of which was Barry Bannon at least two or three times. So um, that was that was expected. But Joe can talk about Leicester. But there was a couple of bits and pieces happening in the Leicester game, wasn't it? the red card and the Maresca yellow card, which might help us come come Monday. <laughs> 
we'll save any help we can get in that one today, won't we? <laughs> yeah, and I said, less, I, thought, I thought Coventry were very good value for the win as well. There, I sort of managed to watch most of that one in the early kickoff, and yeah, they'll be missing Fatawu, won't they? Who's been one of their best players out wide, and they're still they've still got some problems up front with regards to injuries and. And um, players, players missing. Joe, can I just interject really pitch. quickly? I thought Fatawu was well dealt with Leaf Davis really well in the Portman Road game. So there is that side of it as well. Continue. Yeah, no. So obviously, I, I think people are pretty confident that Leicester are going to win the league. But if we can get anything up there and close that gap slightly and keep ahead of Southampton, it'll be a real boon. Right, get your questions in for the guys, although um, I still need to do the league table. Stick a cue in front of it and a question mark afterwards, and um, I'll be able to pick it out in the amazing chat. We can see so many of you watching and contributing right now. Please do hit the thumbs up button, help us out massively. So, Leicester, just the 65 points from um, 27 games. They've really let themselves down with that defeat, haven't they? Uh, so we go to within seven points of Leicester, but honestly, that's not where I'm looking because uh, three points ahead still of um, Southampton, although they are cranking out the goal difference as well, if that ever becomes an issue. Seven points ahead of Leeds with 19 games to go. It's just, it's just insane how well this team has done. Uh, West Brom just look a lot for the playoffs. And we were we were joking about this, weren't we, last week? I, I said oh, four teams will probably get 90 points and then both lose to Corberon and Robbins in the playoffs. Well, that is nicely set up on that league table um, right there, isn't it? Let's get into some uh, questions. Uh, Craig, to Matt, how is Chaplin able to get in so much space despite the large body of work available to opposing teams? Yeah, it's a very good point, actually, isn't it? But I suppose it's it's a bit different from a, from a set play um, rather than open play. I think people have seemed to have twigged a little bit in regards to our open play, pull it back to Chaplin on the penalty spot um, tactic. It doesn't seem to be getting to those spaces quite so much. But I just think the the set piece, as Joe eloquently put earlier about the the role that Edmondson played in, in that goal, I think it's, it's pretty plain for all to see. Um, but, you know, again, he's, he's just stepping up. Another player, Chaplin, who's just stepping up. Was that nine goals this season so far? into January you know, on the back of, what, 27, 28 league goals last year. And he was captain yesterday. I think he really, really enjoyed yesterday's match. He just seemed to be playing with a bit of even extra fire in his belly, if there can be such a thing from Chaplin. You'd say he really enjoyed it on the bench after the final whistle. He looked like he, he really enjoyed it as well. And he got man of the match, to from Sky. So, yeah, fair play to the guy. Uh, they laid this out quite nicely on Footmob, Craig, where if you look across the top there, you can see Chaplin... Uh, top scorer with nine, Broadhead eight, her six. Lee Davis has 10 assists. He's a left back. That's mental. Uh, yeah. Chaplin and Hurst then with six assists. Uh, and the combined, the goal contributions number, Chaplin um, way out in front, actually, with 15. Um, why isn't Leaf Davis on that? Oh, he hasn't got any goals, has he? Um, Hurst with 12 and Nathan Broadhead with 10. So kind of the same players contributing, um, but I think that underlines... Your point, Joe, uh, Steve, it seems to me that we have to work hard to get narrow wins while Leeds, Southampton, et al. find it easy to win by a margin. Um, as much as that's disappointing to hear, he's, he's right, isn't he, Joe? Yeah, he is. But Leeds have also found a way to drop silly points, really. If you think that we're seven points ahead of them and they've taken six points of us, that means they've dropped 13 points more than we have in the games, not between Leeds and Ipswich. So that's a huge amount of points to drop. So, yeah, you might win 4-0 one week, but it's better to win 2-1 and 2-1 than to win 4-0 and draw 1-1, isn't it? I know that's stating the obvious, but Leeds have been have been wildly inconsistent, haven't they? And that's that's the issue away from home, their, their form. Uh, yeah, yeah, well put, yeah. Um, we've only lost three games this season. So Left when you're anyone. talking about, talking about the consistency and two of them were against Leeds as well. So against... 23 teams before the Leicester game. Uh, we've lost one game to 23 teams, which um, uh, says a lot, doesn't it? Um, sorry, I'll just go back to Joe on this one, uh, Craig, and then we'll come to you mm -hmm. on the next one. Um, do you know anything about El, El Mizzouni, um and, and an offer this window? I think that, I think there's been a few offers um, 
in for him. So I'd, I'd imagine the fact that that news has been out on the Ipswich side of things is us looking to encourage any further suitors out and try and push the fee up a little bit. And it does seem likely that he'll be sold this window. Okay. Um, Jason makes a good point here, Craig. How do you guys feel Taylor did a lot of wayward passes? Um, obviously, we try and both be positive and tell the truth here. He did give the ball away a few times. Craig, what I noticed when Morsi wasn't there um, is that we did see Taylor um, doing more bursts forward from midfield. We don't really see our midfield players do that a hell of a lot in terms of, you know, that driving run forward. The best example, this is really championship, I can think is Joe Rothwell used to do it for Blackburn, just burst from um, central midfield into the striking position. He's, he's signing for he... Southampton tomorrow. Oh, piss off. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, sorry, I lost it there a bit, um, Craig. Uh, talk, talk about Taylor, because I think Jason makes a fair point, doesn't he? No, Jason makes a very good point. He he was uh, slack with his possession and his passing a fair bit. Certainly in the first half he was. But then uh, he sort of grew into the game a little bit. He played a nice pass first, first half. Uh, out to Burns. Um, I think it may well have been the, the chance that Burns slung across the box for, for Jackson, if, um, if memory serves me right. That was um, Taylor's pass out to him. And then in the second half, there's a couple of times he dropped his shoulder and, and turned his man and sent him midfield. But I don't know. He just doesn't seem to quite be grasping that opportunity to to cement a position just yet. And But, you know, as you say, Ben, he's he is more of a an old-fashioned number eight box-to-box midfielder, whereas our two centre midfielders don't tend to play that way. It's not what we what we want from. Them. We've got the three guys ahead of them to to do that to do that to do that role. So, yeah, whether it's just him having to still get to terms with what we need, or just needs some more confidence in his ability to take the ball in those close areas in and around our box, um, it just uh, doesn't doesn't seem to quite be clicking for him at the moment, unfortunately. But what we do know, he is a goal threat. He did get into the box yesterday for that shot, which he, he passed towards the, the um, goal rather than whacking it. Um, so, you know, he does still tend to get into the box. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem to be cementing that um, Luongo role, if you like, that Joe was saying that he tends to play on the left there. Totally agree. He'd be a perfect player if you're playing 4-3-3 and he was kind of the spare runner getting into the box. But we yeah, just late runner. don't play that way. And you've just spent a minute... Um, praising Connor Chaplin. He, he ain't getting in the number 10 spot anytime <laughs> soon, either, is he? Um, Joe, I've been told, Mr. Peanut, a deal is, oh, ITK, uh, done for Ladapo, but will only be sanctioned when we sign a forward. Are we okay to let him go? Yes, simply. He's just, he's just not contributing at all at the moment, is he? He came in for that start against QPR, missed a couple of good chances, and then just was pretty poor, really, after that. And also, the Wimbledon game, he was poor. And then you look yesterday, we had um, Jackson starting up front ahead of him. And then when Jackson went off, Broadhead went up front in, instead of him. And then later off, on in the game, Broadhead went off and then Harness went up front ahead of him. So that's there were three players used ahead of him in that number nine role yesterday. And we're looking to sign two strikers this month. So yeah, he's, he's done his. And like I say, he'll go with everyone's best wishes because he was a big part of our fantastic season last year. But the club has just moved on too quickly for his ability level. He's a top League One forward who could probably do a job at a bottom-end championship club, but we have become a top championship club sort of straight away. And he's and we've we've left him behind, and there'll be others left behind, as you see with like Greg Lee and Kyle Edwards previously. Um, not a question, but an interesting point. One defeat in 10 and 1.9 uh, points per game is one of the best mid-season wobbles I've ever seen. That much is true, um, I will say. Um mm-hmm. But we are in another horrible battle where um, two points Steph, per game. Is... Southampton's wobble isn't quite one point yeah. nine game uh, points a game, is yeah. it, unfortunately. It's what you're up against. Um, <laughs> I'll let me just take this one, uh, Colin, because it says Ben at the end of it. Do you think Chaplin is a future captain full time, Ben? Um, he's certainly got all the attributes, hasn't he? If you see the town in five things in terms of the the leadership role and being vocal around the team, obviously, well. Sam Morsey's um, around, then, um, you know, there's there's Mr. Captain. But you, um, I'm sort of, I remember when we spoke to Matt Holland sort of saying you get leadership all over the pitch and it's not necessarily just the guy who's wearing the, wearing the armband, is it? Um, 
Um, Joe, can you do a bit of admin for us? Ian asking, do we know which player has been deregistered so that Travis could play yesterday? Would that have had to have happened? Yeah, and to be to be fair, it doesn't really matter at this stage because during January, you can just register and deregister players as you wish. So it could be that it's George Hurst or Lee Evans, one of the injured players. It, it only really matters come the end of the month when you put in your list and that list is then valid until the end of the season. So if a player is deregistered at that point, they are out for good where we could have deregistered George Hurst last week and we could re-register him today. Okay. Um, Joe, our admin guy on the, on the podcast. Secretary, isn't he? He spends an hour a day on the EFL website, just reading the, um, reading the T's and C's over there. Pod secretary. This is a good question from Jace, um, Craig. Uh, How do you think Kieran will manage, rotate Travis um, once more seeing Luongo are back? This could be really good if you've got four players, as Joe said, your right-sided central midfielders. Surely that gives him um, more carte blanche to um, take the weight off Morsi and Luongo a little bit and take them out of games if um, if if the if the situation arises. Yeah, I think it's more likely to take the weight off Luongo than Morsi. I don't think Morsi is going to going to be going anywhere anytime soon or be. That's why I checked for... myself at the end of the point. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll drag him to that. I'm, I, we said this on Telegram before. I say I'm not going to be the one that's telling Sam Morsi he's being rested <laughs> for the next uh, for the next. Great, just quickly. Did you see Morsi when Pritchard came off and he was moaning, and you could see Morsi in the in the background, just kind of menacingly looking over, having a good laugh at that. Yeah, he's a lovely guy, isn't he? Amused me a lot. It's, Carry on. Um, but I, it, it'd be interesting to see, and again, it's something that's been we've chatted about in Telegram, is whether you see all three, the Travis, Morsey and Luongo, playing at any point uh, in any game, um, whether, from the, whether from the start or potentially probably not from the start, but during games, just to manage games out. Um, we don't know how long Luongo's out for yet until the, um, the scan's been done this week, but he was walking pretty... Um, easily to the to his seat behind the dugout before the match he didn't seem to be in any discomfort um but so we'll see how that but what it does it just takes the weight i suppose off of rushing him back um to play uh because as i said we know travis is already made there whether uh, to joe's point about um it appearing that travis is more of the right side we don't know i suppose because he, he had to play the role yesterday because morsey wasn't there so it may be that he can fill in the, the left-sided role when morsey's back and you if you were a a slightly more timid centre midfielder in a championship team, you probably wouldn't want to be coming up against a midfield with Morsey and Travis in it, I wouldn't suspect. Um, skip intro, Joe. If Fridge keeps performing as he has been, could he keep Burgess out of the team? Um, and I mean this as no criticism, but his head it, kick it work yesterday, his defending, defending, was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, no, and yeah, there's every chance he could keep him out of the team. That's how Burgess found himself in the team. Edmondson missed some games. Burgess came in, got the shirt and didn't look back really from that point on. And if Edmondson, if we win the next five games or four or five games when Burgess is away, assuming Australia get right through to the latter stage of the tournament, you're not going to be changing the winning team when he comes back. But I'm sure as has happened sort of at the start of the season, even if Edmondson's got the shirt, Burgess will play a few games here and there as and when is needed because, let's say, Edmondson played against Plymouth and against Hull when they had a sort of pacey attacker that McKenna wanted to match him up with. And I think that Burgess will play games. But no, it's, it's what this is what you want as a manager. You want all your players playing well and you, and you want to be you want to be having tough decisions to make over who is going to be in a team rather than thinking, oh, God, which one of these two am I going to have to play because they're both struggling. And it wasn't as apparent about sorry, just a quick it wasn't as apparent that lack of balance we talk about having a left footer on the left side of midfield, that wasn't as apparent yesterday to my very untrained eye, um, whereas it possibly has been before. So maybe they've been working on a bit of that in terms of Davis's positioning or the centre midfielder's positioning, knowing that Edmondson's right footed rather than left. I'm not going to answer this question. Luke Chambers is going to answer this question. Because if you came to our live show, you will know what the answer to this question is from a man who knows way more about it than most of us. Is part of Morsi's role to make sure Wolfie doesn't fall asleep on the ball? Yes. Um, And finally, we'll go to Craig. I think Rob asked this earlier. Um, Do we need another recognised fullback this window? Uh, JD out. Williams gone back. Clark managing the Achilles. Leaf suffering a knock. Yeah, you probably would have thought so. We don't know the story with Williams or what his situation is about coming back. 
Um, Kieran it's such a shame that Craig. I was so excited is. about him. Yeah, hundred percent. And because he plays both sides, doesn't he? Equally, equally well. He covers. He gives you, you know, that cover on both sides, as does Clark to a certain extent. But he just allows you between three players. You've covered two positions, haven't you? Whereas now we're we're going to be down to as as was said there in in the question, Davis, who we don't really want to be slogging if we don't have to. We may have another George Hurst um, scenario. Clark, who's nursing his Achilles, Danassian, who's out for we don't know how long because that was another thing that McKenna mentioned afterwards was he's getting injections in his groin at the moment because that's not fully fit. So, albeit Humphreys does okay, he's not he's not a fullback. You're in the realms of square pegs and round holes, aren't you? Which you don't really want to be doing. So, I wouldn't be surprised at all once we know the full story or certainly the uh, result of of where Williams is going to be come January thirty uh, first that we get another similar ish, hopefully type. Um, replacement in there to cover both sides um we will do one more because i found it fun um it was about the lyrics of the song there we go from god joe what will the lyrics of the super kieran mckenna song change to without ladapo or should it should it be retired if ladapo leaves well it's almost like the massimo song isn't it where that is chaplin in attack so i'd imagine it'll be I'll sing for us joe. at the back chaplin in attack the sort of sing uh, it. I, I can't. I got a sore throat. The, the cadence. Um, <laughs> it, it's sort of Ladapo to Chaplin does work, doesn't it? So it'll be Gal- Galaga. You'd have to em- emphasize the middle syllable oh, of Galaga. Okay. Sam Sam G in attack. Galaga Galaga in attack. <laughs> right, we're gonna we're gonna stop this now um, before this goes any further, and we're gonna talk about our next game, which is in theory the most difficult game you can get because it's away at the league leaders. Um, I'm a broken record. Leicester are not a normal relegated team. That squad should never have been relegated, especially when you consider um, it also had Tielemans, um, Madison, Barnes. Oh, yeah. yeah, all of these players. So a um, bit of a freak show of a squad and their points total, I think, possibly suggests that. We did have, have it mentioned earlier in the chat that Enzo Maresco, is he, he's banned from the touchline, is he? Yeah, that's actually that's the thing, um, you know, because going up against Kieran McKenna is not easy at the best of times. And um, okay, if you have a incredibly high quality squad, that helps. But I think that will make a difference. The bald fraud didn't fancy being up against McKenna. <laughs> <You can't>. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's got sixty five points, Joe. I know what, people will still say about Pep, even though he's the sort of greatest <laughs> manager of the last thirty years. But. Um, so let me just bring up uh, what we're going to have to contend with next week and um, or delete delete Joe at the same time. <laughs> My apologies, Joe, there. If you're on audio, I deleted Joe from the stream after his and singing. Um, so Southampton go to Swansea, um, which there'll be lots of Russ Martin narrative there. Luke, Luke got Williams travel- narrative as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, they've got to travel away from home, uh, Mr. 12. 12- 30 kickoff. What are Leeds doing? Why can I not see them on that screen? Maybe they play on Sunday. It's going to be spread across. Leeds are at home to Preston. I am going to give them three points um, for, <laughs> for that one, Craig. So brave, yes. We don't I'm sticking my neck out there, aren't I? <laughs> we don't um we don't much well look, we've got to concentrate on us, but Craig, um, it's just a case of if you can get something get something and then we've ticked off we've played Leeds twice and we've played Leicester twice yeah yeah exactly that exactly that as Joe said earlier no one's expecting us to get anything out of it I said um when I was on before about Morsey missing games that he was always going to miss due to suspension well I'd rather he missed Leicester actually because just to get it out the way um and he's back for the games that are on paper more more winnable um it's quite interesting actually I was listening watching the the Leicester game um, before leaving home on on Saturday. I never realised Harry Wicks had played two hundred games for Spurs. Twenty for England, yeah. Two hundred games for Spurs. It's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I don't think yeah. Regardless of who's available or unavailable, indeed, he's obviously not going to be available either. But I think they'll probably cope. To be honest. Um, what's your take, uh, Joe? I, I mean, we know how we're gonna how we're gonna play it, don't we? Because we always play the same way, which is a which is a great thing. And 
I guess you just hope it's a nice open game. I think both teams to score is possibly that. I mean, uh, people talking about S housing and stuff. I suppose Leeds went there and won one nil, didn't they? And closed it down um, in that sort of manner. <laughs> what does an Ipswich win there look like, Joe? A nice, nice three nil comfortable win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's going to be incredibly tough. It's going to, be, but whilst it's the toughest game of the season for us, it's also the toughest game of the season for them, isn't it? At the moment, with that's true. Yeah, us yeah. being second in the table, so it's not one that they're going to be taking lightly, looking at as an easy three points and just turning up. They're going to be seriously needing to be on their game if they want to beat us. And if they're on their game, then we're going to struggle to get anything out of it. But if we're on our game and they're slightly off it, then we've we've got a chance. But like I say, they've got serious serious quality in their squad they've got they've got much better players than we have but they're only seven points ahead of us at this stage of the season so we're we just got to keep doing what we're doing and the pressure's on them isn't it rather than us a big big crowd there. i think we sold all our allocation now sort of three and a half thousand tickets so there'll be good noise from the Ipswich fans on a monday night do you really craig do you really think the pressure's on them yeah i think so there's seven know. points clear they've got better players well, we have to wait until monday we might have been overtaken by Southampton again. I I think you can flip that round. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just debating it. Hmm. No, I think I think the I think the pressure's on them. I think by virtue of the expect expectation um, being on them, and if if we assume that Southampton would have um, won on Saturday lunchtime, they'll also be within seven points. And then should we happen to 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 um, beat them, then it's, it's four points away, isn't it? And it, the the gap's going to be closing two weeks on the trot. What do you, Craig, what do you think the team will look like? Um, you would hope that the back four goalie are the same. We know Morsi's not going to be there. Perhaps Luongo could return. And the only other thing is, is there a new striker and would you debut him hmm. away at Leicester from the beginning? So it might just be exactly the same team, mightn't it? Yeah, I think I think it'll be exactly the same team. I think if, if Luongo's going for a, a scan this week, it doesn't sound like he's going to be um, ready to do much training this week, let alone um, start against the league leaders on, on Monday. Um, and I think, as Joe was saying earlier about Jackson and the role that he provides, certainly in terms of pressing, he may well have started in any case, had he not um, started uh, yesterday and scored. You know, he may well have started in the away game at Leicester in any case, by virtue of the um, characteristics that he's got. So I don't see many, if any, changes at all to the starting eleven. Um, do, do you agree, disagree with that, Joe? Yeah, and like I said, we're talking about strikers, aren't we? And the name that's sort of most heavily linked with us at the moment is Sam Gallagher. He's he's not played a lot for Blackburn. I don't think he's played since September. Apart, we had half an hour yesterday. So if he is one that we do manage to get over the line, I know he's one we're pushing for and one that we, we definitely like and definitely want. If we can get him in, you'd imagine he's going to be a player that maybe is going to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed and he'll be the the finisher of the game. You you let Caden Jackson go and run himself out for 70 minutes and chuck him on for the last 20 to see if he can get anything done on his debut if we are able to get him over the line. And I think whoever, if we do have any new signing as a striker by next week, that game plan will probably be the same. And let's just wrap this up, um, Joe, just to completely reiterate, because sometimes you can kind of get lost in the minutiae of everything and not zoom out and see the big picture. It's, well... By the time we get to next weekend, it's going to be, I don't know, January the 20th or something. We've just been promoted from League One. Not only are they year one parachute teams at the top of the table, but they're um, outlier year one parachute teams who have not been circling the drain or yo-yoing. They've been in the Premier League, Southampton and Leicester, for years, and um, Leeds had three years up as well. We've got well over two points per game, and we're in an automatic promotion race. Let's just mark this right now on January the 14th, Joe. Absolutely magnificent. Yeah, and at, and at the very worst, at the end of the January transfer window, we're going to be, at the very worst, level in second place, level on points for second place or clear in second place. That, that's the lowest we can be at that stage. So we've really got a good period now, sort of three or four weeks to really get the squad built up again to ready to give it the give it the good go for the running. And if you look what happened last season, I know not every season will be the same, but last season we had this sort of mini wobble over the sort of Christmas, January period. We brought in some re sort of refreshments to the squad and then we just went on a mad run from that point. Is Are we able... Oh, we, we know we can do that. The players know that they've got the muscle memory to do that. So do we just try and get into that mode again, into that flow state again, where we just go and go and go from this point onwards. 
And Craig, what about this for a framing? As Joe points out, to the end of the transfer window, 18 games, you score one more point than Southampton, you're in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've got Southampton to play, and Southampton have and got to play. They've got all the top all five. Make that away. point, yeah. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And as we've said, we've said it before, haven't we, that we had our um, relatively on paper more difficult fixtures over the Christmas period, and it transpired that we didn't pick up as many points as we had been. Southampton are going to have their tricky on paper fixtures coming up between now and the end of the season, and we're going to have a relatively um, Southampton easy and West Brom at Portman Road. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So now a lot of it is still in it is still in our hands, um, and hopefully, as Joe said, if we can get past uh, January, get a couple, two or three new additions in, um, and then look at a more favourable uh, list list of fixtures in February, get a bit of momentum, and you know, who knows where it takes us. Unbelievable. Well, I'm getting amped up now. What a positive way to finish. We must say thank you to Steve at the end of the show there, £2 on the Super Chat. So, guys, remember, um, we'll try and come up with some content um, during midweek, but uh, this slot next week will be a preview show for the Leicester game, and we'll have a look um, back at what's gone on in the Championship. Hopefully, we will be celebrating Luke Williams and Swansea City. Um, that would be uh, very, very lovely, but uh, we'll see what goes down. And um, yeah, Preston will have played at Leeds by that point, won't they? Look, we can only do what we can do. Um, and then we'll review the Leicester game probably either in the immediate aftermath or the, the following day and do a do a full show. Um, we'll figure it out next week. Um, guys, numbers off the scale. I can see them as they're coming. The chat's been flowing. Thank you so, so much. And um, we thank the brilliant club and the brilliant players that have given us such brilliant action to talk about. Last word from you, Joe. Yeah, just can't wait for next Monday now. Hopefully I'll see some of these guys in the chat of the game next week and have a catch-up. But no, just buzzing for it. Like what a team we've got here and it's going to be such a fun few months now. Last word from you, Craig. Yeah, just in, enjoy the week. We've got a, a full week off, haven't we? So to fully en- envelop yourself and get absorbed in all the transfer shenanigans and rumours. And if you want to tweet Rich with any um, unsubstantiated <laughs> rumours that you've got, he's, he's more than likely to accept. And he prefers if you tweet and DM him at the same time in triplicate, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He just needs I, to know. I he likes recommend to that. He's fully on the post. Gmail.com. <laughs> What a tremendous note to finish on. Um, and Craig's use of envelop was fantastic at the end. So envelop this into your podcast machine. See you next week. on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.